Brian mentioned that uh, we've been in kind of a good relationship for 27 years, and, and we have. It's been great. And I remember watching him come through the youth group, and I remember him also when he kind of became an intern. Then I remember when he became a youth pastor at Faith Evangelicals, where I pastor. And I remember the first staff meeting we had when Brian was there. He walked in, and, and I can't tell you the story, but it was uh, the craziest staff meeting. It involved moose antlers. It involved a mouse. It involved also Sam Summers was there. Craziest thing. And, uh, but I don't have 15 minutes to tell you, so you're just going to have to hold on that and someday ask me, Steve, what happened in the office, and I will tell you. But great guy. I appreciate him a lot and appreciate you guys and appreciate this church. It's been fun to walk around. There's a few people that uh, actually knew and know, and some from my past came up, Steve, remember me? I don't, but we talked, and then, oh, yeah, I remember you, and, and it was good. And you guys, as Brian mentioned, are a part of this group called the Western Conference. There's 30 churches. And they go everywhere from Langdon, North Dakota. Has anybody been to Langdon, North Dakota? Cool, you have. Oh, I'm sorry. But it's, uh, it's way up there toward Canada and North Dakota. And then down to Cheyenne, a new church got planted there a few years back. And it's really a, a pretty cool conference. And you're connected to them. And you maybe didn't know that. But, hey, they gave heavily, not only in prayers, but resources as well, to help this place get started. Uh, there were people in Fallon, Montana, praying their socks off for you guys as you got going. And, and, and then you guys invest in them as well. And it's a good connectional system that we have. So, and we're all about uh, healthy, life-giving, prevailing pastors and churches. And, so, and multiplying pastors and churches. So that's what we're about. And we're here for you. You're not really in existence for us. We're in existence for you. So we want to help you all we can. So anyhow, it's a privilege to be here. And, and I want to echo what... John said earlier about the worship band, hey, they're really good, and uh, yeah, and the, I thought they were very good, and, but the bass player was exceptional. That's my boy, okay? That's my boy, that's right. Yeah. When I was thinking of what I was going to speak on today, I said, Janice, what should I talk about? And she says, why don't you, because since Luke's there, why don't you talk about the gospel according to Luke? Because <laughs> when he was a little boy growing up, we had some, <laughs> some of the most amazing times, and and he, uh, all, all along, uh, you know, that's my boy, that's my boy. There was about a year and a half when he was in high school or right early high school where I was going, whose kid is that? And, and he was going, whose dad is that? But uh, other than that, it's been a great ride with Luke and appreciate your investment in him and his investment in you. And, and today, I'm really proud of him and that's my boy. <laughs> so anyhow, and that little shot they had up there is when we were playing golf one day at Forsyth Golf Course, and it's the only time in the history of the world, the universe, where he beat me in golf, but he got me. But Let me share a few things today. This message, uh, you know, it's not going to be light and fluffy, but I, th- I, think it'll, I think it'll speak to all of us. I really do. It speaks to me every time I kind of walk through it, but let me share a couple things that are going on in the life that I'm in right now. I, these kind of tough things. I have a uh, our church up in, in Great Falls, Harvest Springs, great church. Corey Engel, those guys do a great job. Their worship pastor, uh, his wife, all of a sudden went into labor too early and had to race down from Great Falls down to Billings, and she's in the NICU unit down there. And uh, anyhow, she just gave birth to a little one-pound, 10-ounce little micro preemie. So I'm going, man, and they've already got four or five kids, and it's like the stress on that young family and the challenge and the trial that it is. I have another gal, a little older in years, but has walked with Jesus so closely. I mean, every time I'm around her, I just feel like the presence of God, and that's not coming from me. That's coming from her. 
And she, uh, she had pain, I mean, major pain in her back for like two years. I mean, so great that she couldn't come to church or anything, and she just kind of had to be alone. I'm going, God, this isn't fair. This is a great gal. And then she went and got a surgery in Butte here a couple weeks ago, and wouldn't you know it, she's kind of working through her healing process, and she fell in the hospital room and broke her hip. It's like, what do you do with that stuff? I've got a family whose young teenage girl is just acting up right now, and they came in and talked with me, and man, Steve, we're at our wit's end. We don't know what to do. You know the stress and all those things of the trials we all hit. I've got people that walk into my office, and you know, I'm addicted to the pornography thing. I don't know what to do, or I'm addicted to alcohol, or I've got a couple of really good friends with divorces pending. I mean, just tough stuff. And I know you know the drill as well, because you get tough stuff in your life that's going on, and it never seems to end. It seems like right when one gets done, then you got another one, and they just keep coming, and they seem to be varied. And so I, I, I want you to take that little three-by-five card. I think the ushers gave you one when you came in. Appreciate them doing it. And I want you to pull that out right now. And if you don't have a card to write on, grab a sheet of paper or whatever next to you. Pull something out of your, the seat in front of you. And grab a pen. I have a pen. And I want you to write down on that card that thing or those things that you just don't know what to do with. I mean, they, they're, you wake up in the morning, they're there. They're right there. You lose sleep at night. Uh, you can tell they're stress every time you think about them. It's, they're painful. You don't know what to do with them. Write those down if you would, and then hang on to that little card. And I wrote mine down first service, so if you don't see me writing, that's why. They haven't changed since first service. They're still there. And I want, I want to uh, say today, just initially, in no way do I want to speak in a way that minimizes the pain you're going through or minimizes the problem you're facing. Absolutely not. I won't do that. But I'm not going to minimize the greatness of our God and what he can do in and through the trials that you're facing. I'm not going to minimize that at all. And we're going to walk through a little portion of scripture here in James that talks about this whole arena we're, we're, we're considering right now. And the first verse, and actually the second verse, James chapter 1, it says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. <laughs> As I'm looking at these things on my little card, I'm going, hmm. You know, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. So we're going to talk through that this morning. And every word, even in that little statement there, consider, reckon, kind of evaluate that you can have pure, unadulterated, undiluted, deep-seated, calm joy in your heart in the midst of trials that come with many different colors and shapes and hues. So let's pray and then let's dig into the word. Lord, thanks for the day. Thanks for these people. It's a delight for me to be here and just great folks, great church, a lot going on, a lot of cool things happening in the community through this, this group, a lot of people growing in their faith with you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, as we even sung about today, that would just be all over this place, in particular our hearts, and maybe hear your word clearly, but hear his voice deeper than our hearts as well. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, let's go. James chapter 1. If you have your Bible, look at it. If you don't, listen closely. James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. 12 tribes, 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, they're scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because, and here's the reason why you can do that, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
He should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who loves him. We'll stop there, even though... The rest of it kind of applies to that as well. But let's start again with that first verse. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. As a follower of Jesus, you could, you can, you should kind of logically, rationally, consciously, reflectively consider your trial or trials with pure joy. James tells us how in the next couple of verses. It's going to take I put a couple things down. It's going to take a correct understanding of trials and of God. And we're going to limit ourselves pretty much primarily just to this text in James, but you probably can think of other scriptures as we go along that would apply to this as well. Trials, first of all, correct understanding of trials. Trials are inevitable and they're varied. They come in different colors and hues. In fact, the word whenever in that first thing, whenever you face, sounds like you're going to face them and you will here on planet Earth. You're going to face them. Whenever you face and maybe James had to write to these people who were scattered out there in the known world at that time because maybe they had forgotten. Maybe they thought that somehow when you come to Christ that, man, it's going to be perfect. I mean, everything in my life is going to go better. Maybe he had to remind them that, no, that's not the case. And all of those people, as they were in that particular time of history, were facing things that we're not facing right now. Um, yeah, they were facing regular life. They had to pay the bills. They had to make a living. They had to find something to eat, all those normal stresses of life. They got the flu just like we get the flu and all that. But they were under it big time because they were being chased. It was called a dispersion at that time. And they were being chased by pagan kings and Roman people who were after them because of their faith in Christ. So they're being chased out of their homes. They're running for their lives. And you go, Steve, I've never faced that. I haven't either. Some people in the world today are. They say there are more martyrs today than there ever were in history. That situation over there in Iraq and Syria, the ISIS thing, that's the flavor when I, when I look at this. That's what's going on. They're, they're running. They're having to run for their life, and they're experiencing incredible poverty because of their faith in Christ. And life was tough. And I think James may ha- maybe had to remind them, hey, you know what? Just because you're in Christ doesn't mean all the problems go away. And you, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, doing your best to walk with Jesus, as I am as well. Hey, same thing for us. We got the regular life stuff, just like we we talk about. We get the flu. We got sickness. I hear people with sniffles today. Hey, you got the inner pulls to do wrong, just like I have the inner pulls to do wrong. A prone to wander away from God. We face that. You're dealing with some of the ramifications, just like I am, of some of the stupid decisions you've made in your life. I can't blame those on God. Sometimes I go, what was I thinking? And now I'm dealing with that, and it creates some stress. And then you also forget this. I do too, but hey, there's an enemy that's after your soul and trying to distract you and work you over called Satan, and he's got his little minions doing their thing. And, and on top of that, you are a follower of Jesus, and right now in our culture, that doesn't set real well with what's, what's going on. I mean, it feels like we're always kind of swimming up the current, you know, against the current, against the values and stuff like that. So we cannot think that because we are followers of Christ that, hey, no problems, all is well, nothing will ever happen to me. No. Hey, these kind of things, these trials are inevitable, and they're also varied. They come in different shapes, multicolored. You know, the interesting thing that I found in this scripture, 
that I found interesting but also bugged me is if you, if you look at the word in, in verse 2, it calls it trials. And then a little bit later, I think it's in verse 13, it calls them temptations. And I just assume these are different kind of deals. You know, you've got trials that are kind of out there and then you've got temptations from within and they've got to be different and one's kind of evil and one's kind of, you know, whatever. And, but I found out that actually those two words, for the, even though their English version is different, the real words are the same. It's the same with the same meaning. These are trials. These are tough times. These are things that test. These are things that try things. Trials and temptations, same thing. So consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Same thing. Trials from without and temptations from within. All those things, the same word. So when you're tempted or when you have a trial, same word. And the same things apply here. And it says, count it all joy, full, supreme, utter, absolute, inward, calm, delight. Whenever you face trials or temptation in all their different colors and hues. And you can kind of see one example they give in the text here. As you read down through there, it's kind of in the economic realm, those that are poor and those that are rich. We don't have time to go through that. But in order for us to really move through our trial that we wrote down, or any trial or temptation that comes, we've got to understand and not be surprised that trials are inevitable and trials are varied. But also in this scripture, it points out that you've got to understand that your trials are purposeful through God. There's a reason behind them that's greater than we can see. There is an end in God's mind for that particular thing he's allowed into your life. And it's a good end because God is a good God. There is purpose in the trials, temptations you are facing, and he has permitted them into his life. But I look at mine, and I'm sure you look at yours, and I'm going, I'm not seeing it, God. I'm not seeing it. You know, where are you going with this? Well, I think he tells us here in some of these verses coming up, James 1.3 says, because you know, he says, because you know that the testing, the trying of your faith, faith in God, puts you in a position where you got to take God at his word, and man, you're kind of wondering if I should, but it tests you at that point. Because you know that the testing of your faith, it goes on and says, develops perseverance. And that perseverance means kind of a cheerful, hopeful endurance in the midst of what you're going through. It develops that, which is a good thing, that positive stick-to-it faith under whatever is in your life, that patience. And then that cheerful, hopeful perseverance accomplishes, brings about maturity, completeness, kind of a stable, unwavering faith in God. That's a good place to live. That's where God wants to take us. We have visions and goals of having the perfect life with with no problems whatsoever. That's not God's goal for us. His goal is that we would grow up and be more like his son, Jesus Christ, and develop in our faith and our maturity. And that way, when you get to that point, complete, then you're fit to serve him. Then you're fit to bring him just incredible glory and fame, and you're fit to serve your fellow man. Boy, completeness is his goal. But once again, I look at my card, and I go, oh, Lord. (laughs) I'm looking at these things. Can't that kind of maturity happen some other way? (laughs) I mean, I would just as soon just hang out in Bible studies all my life and just pray and be with people I like and, you know, no problems. Well, could I say, might I say, I'm going to (laughs) say, hey, becoming mature, complete in Christ, in our faith walk with God, will not take place, cannot take place, except through walking through trials and temptations with God. That's a part of his plan. Yeah, I can, I can grow in the word, I can grow in my relationship and fellowship, but I'll tell you what, 
this kind of stuff that goes on in our life, these trials that God allows into our life, that's a big part of his program to get us where he wants us to be. I don't necessarily like that, but I'm beginning to understand that more and more. Therefore, though the trials can be very painful, and they are, and when they hit, they're unexpected and usually unwelcomed. I don't go looking for them like, oh, I'd like to have a trial today. Huh. And we rightly grieve. I cry. I wake up at nights. I'm, I'm sometimes in a cold sweat in the things I'm going through. And they come in multitude of colors and hues and different shapes. In all of that, James says, consider it, count it, reckon it, understand and evaluate the situation, the whole situation with a total, complete, deep-seated calm and delight joy. Well, that's not going to happen unless we understand the things that I mentioned, that trials are inevitable and that they're varied. And that trials have a tremendous purpose, namely to grow us up in our faith and to become more like Jesus. That gives a little different shape to it. I went back in my files on something that I, that I had, and I brought it with me to this, this service today. And about 10 years ago, I went this thing, through this thing called the Focus Life. It might have been less than 10 years ago. I can't remember. But they had us take you know, a big sheet of paper, thick paper, and they had us uh, take a whole bunch of yellow sticky notes, and you can kind of see them there on this little deal. And, and they had us write down every person who really made an impact on our life and every event that kind of shaped our life, positive or negative, and they had us just write all those things. So I wrote down a whole bunch of things. I wrote about a duck hunt I took with my a former senior pastor I had that really shaped my life. I wrote where my coach asked me to take a shot when I was a junior in a crucial part of the game. He said, I think you can make it. And fortunately, it went in, but that shaped me. You know, it was a big part of my world. Uh, there's some deaths, there's some certain people, you know, all those things. Yellow, little sticky notes, put them all over. Then they said, organize them according to your, sequentially in your life. So we did that. So these are when I was young and then when I'm older. And then they said, last thing we want you to do is go through those yellow sticky notes and then where there was pain involved, where it was really tough on you, replace that with pink. So you can kind of see my little world and there are some pink ones in there, some big ones. Big pink things. And then they said, when did you grow the most in your faith and relationship with God? So I analyzed this thing and I'm going, oh yeah. In fact, that's what brought me to Christ was that when I was you know, so low I couldn't see anything but looking up. That brought me to Christ. Wow, that's amazing. And then here, kind of in one string in my life, just a lot of stuff was going on. And I look back and I go, that is when you know, the Lord shaped me. That is when the Lord began to have me mature. And I got a long ways to go, but I could see great growth in those times. We could talk more about these trials and understanding them. They're inevitable. They're varied. That's a part of it. But we also need to understand God in the midst of our sufferings and trials. It was quite revelatory when I began to think that when a trial hits, I think, what are my initial thoughts? And maybe you're kind of like me in this. But I found that when trials hit, and I have a, a very bad, terrible, horrible, no good day, that my first thoughts aren't, oh boy, I get a chance to grow in Jesus. I, they aren't. They're usually something other than that. And on the big things that hit, I, I even toss up, but Lord, I'm doing my best to walk with you. Lord, I'm a Christian. I'm following you the best I can. How come you're allowing this? How come you're letting this happen? What's going on here? And then my soul can get a little lower, and I can even get to the point where I'm going, I'm not even sure you exist. Anybody ever been there? Or for you to allow this into my life, that's kind of evil, God. Or are you looking and seeing what I'm going through? 
and you're not helping, you must be powerless to help. Or for you to sit by and watch this happen to me, God, you don't really care about me. And, you know, I've gone there. Maybe you haven't. You're much more mature than I am, but I've gone there into that thinking. But this scripture was great to go through it because your understanding of God just kind of goes like this when you read in the scripture and look for God because you're going to see as you look through the scripture and you can read on your own again, hey, God is there. In fact, you can ask him for help. If you can ask him for help, that means he's right there. He's right there. He hasn't left the building on you. (laughs) He is right there. And he wants to give you help. It says, ask and I'll, I'll give you stuff generously. He wants to help you. He wants you to pass the test. He wants you to move on in your faith. Satan wants you to flunk everything. He wants you to pass the test. Hey, and he doesn't take you into evil. It talks about how God does not tempt you to evil. That's coming from someplace else. He wants to train you up and work you into greater things, not evil. And he is a good God. One of the scriptures says, every good and perfect gift is from him, verse 16. He's a good God. And then he doesn't change. I don't have to go through something and go, man, I wonder what God's gonna, how he's going to approach me this time. Is he still like me? Is he going to be there? He doesn't change, the scripture says. It doesn't, he doesn't change like the shifting shadows, I think, is what it actually says in this text. And then it says, as we're moving through this and we're working through a trial, we're blessed by him. His best comes out on him. Verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. And then it goes on to say, God rewards those with a crown of life for enduring the trial. Now that's just one little portion in James. One little, and the, all the great things about God and our understanding of that can help us as we walk through our suffering and our trials, no matter what we're going through. God is there. God is good. God is all-powerful and can help. He loves and cares for you. I love that song. God never gives up. The one we sang earlier, his love never gives up. It's a great song. He wants to help us. He wants you to, to help you. He has bigger reasons for your trial than you can see. You've got to trust him on that. He wants to bless you, and he will. So to be able to consider that three-by-five card and stuff that's going on there with pure joy when trials and temptations come upon us, we've got to understand not only the trials are inevitable, and they're varied, but understand God and his purpose in this and him walking you through every step of the way. So finally, I want to close up with this. It takes asking and believing. I just wrote those two words. It takes asking and believing. Verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, and I I think this is contextually, this is where this verse fits, is with the stuff we're talking about, these, these tough times. If any of you lacks wisdom, in other words, how to handle some of these things, what to do with them, uh, these trials, these temptations from within and from without. You should ask God. Your first place when these things hit should be on your knees before God. Boom, just drop. Oh God, this is unbelievable. I do not know what to do with this thing. I'm shook to the core as you're crying out to God with your tears. I do that. But I believe in you. I believe you're there. I trust you. Please, I ask you for your wisdom, for your perspective, for your Helping me understand the situation. Help me walk through this and stand up during this trial and temptation in a way that honors you and brings the most help to everybody else. And anybody can do that. I don't care how long you've walked with Jesus or if you're just a young little person. I don't care how big or how small the situation is. It's big to you. My father just recently found out that he's got stage four bone cancer. Now, my dad's one of the all-time greats, okay? He's walked with Jesus like nobody's walked with Jesus. And I'm going, this doesn't seem fair. And when I found out that he had it, I called him and 
had a little talk with him. Dad, what's going on? Well, Steve, they tell me I got stage four bone cancer. I said, well, that's not good, Dad. He says, no, but he says, uh, you know what? He says, we're going we're gonna to be fine, Steve. He says, and he said things that were kind of like, God hasn't bailed out on me yet. He's not going to bail out on me now. He's, I'm going to go to him and ask him for perspective on this, and we're going to be just fine. And I'm going, man, that's a guy that's walked with Jesus for who knows how long, and he's pouring it out to God, trusting him, and, and going to him, asking and believing in God for wisdom in that situation. I'm going, that's cool. And then a while back, I was preaching at a little, one of our other little churches over in Rapplejay, Montana. Anybody from Rapplejay? Oh, we got one. That's great. Anyhow, I was at Rapplejay, and they, it's a small little church, cool little church, and they're, they're doing a, a prayer and share time, and it's a time when you can ask for prayer for things. And so, you know, all sorts of things come up. And I remember one little boy, and I don't know what his name was, I'll call him Little Johnny, just because John's sitting here in the front row. But hey, little Johnny raised hand. He says, Yeah, would you pray for my grandma? Hey, she loves to bake with her oven, and the little knobs aren't working right now, and we ordered some, and they're not in yet. And uh, I want Grandma to be able to cook bread like she always cooks or something like that. And I kind of smile in my immature soul going, how cute and kind of how silly. And then the Spirit checked me and goes, wait a minute. For him, that's a big deal, Steve. And it doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter how long we walk with Jesus. It doesn't matter how spiritual we are. Your first stop and anything should be, oh God, I bring this to you. Please, God, I want to understand this. Help me. Get some wisdom and perspective. You know, it's interesting. When a trial hits in our life or somebody else's life, what do we usually pray for? And you're probably in your mind kind of going, well, probably pray that that person won't suffer. Like even with my dad, I go, I don't want him to be in pain. Hey, I pray that he'll have the strength to go through this. Yep, that's good. And usually it's kind of for the pain to go away. Please, Lord, let the pain go away. Which, and they're all good prayers. But you know what? This challenged me. And I'm going, do I ever ask for wisdom in the midst of that trial? That's a different prayer. That's go- Lord, I know I'm in it. It's there. I'm facing it. Give me some wisdom with regards to this. Help me to understand this from your perspective. And I don't want to waste all that you want to bring into my life or the lives of others. I want your wisdom in this. I read a little story about a gal that had a husband who had a stroke, then went blind due to the stroke, took to hospital, to a hospital bed where death was knocking. Okay, that's, that's, that's from real bad to really, really bad, just real quick, so you understand. And this man who wrote the story went to that gal, the wife of the husband, said, I will be praying for you. And the lady said, what are you going to be praying for? And he said, I will pray that God will strengthen you. And she said, boy, I appreciate that. She liked that prayer. But pray for one more thing. Would you pray that I will have the wisdom not to waste all of this? And I thought, man, that is, <laughs> that, is, that is maturity. That is maturity. To be able to consider, evaluate, come to some conclusions that allow for pure joy within during a trial only happens when we're asking God for his wisdom. And he will give it generously, the scripture says. To all, not just a few elite, not just pastors, without finding fault. It's no insult to him when you come to him, no matter what your state of heart, and, oh, God, I need some help. And he will answer your prayer for wisdom in that trial generously, as it said, without finding fault. There is one word in this that I want to mention as we wrap this up. It says, the person that comes to God and asks for wisdom, it says, but he must believe and not doubt. And then you remember what we read earlier about how a person who comes to God says, give me wisdom, and then somehow doubts God. is like a, like a cork on the ocean, just kind of bobbing around, a very unstable person. 
like bobbers in the ocean, up and down we go. I believe, no I don't. I want to know, Lord, but I think I know what you're going to say and I'm not committed to thinking or doing what you want. I like hearing what you tell me in your word, but I may look to someone or something else for my help. But I'm asking for your wisdom, but, but, I'm not sure. Well, that's immaturity, and guess what the scripture says? That person can't expect God to give any solid answers. They're a double-minded person. In the midst of that trial, (laughs) on your little sheet there, or temptation, unexpected, unwelcomed, unpleasant, very, very tough. Probably some of you were surprised by it. Like, where did this come from? I wasn't expecting this at all. But we shouldn't be because it's the world we live in. Trials, temptations are inevitable, and they come in varied forms. But it's also very purposeful in the hands of God. And that's a big ticket understanding portion right there. God, you are there. God, you love me. God, you have a reason behind these trials that I can't see right now, and I can't really understand, but you do. So I trust you. I love you. Please, Lord, give me your perspective as I walk through this. And boy, he gives you a perspective through his word, through prayer, through other people that are walking you through it with it. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. Lord, I'm not looking any other place but to you with regards to this. What a healthy way to live. little illustration, a gal that was a prisoner in the Nazi Nazi concentration camp called Ravensbrück. little gal, in the midst of this unimaginable horror, we all can kind of picture It would have been easy and even normal for this gal to despair, yet the wisdom of God granted to her the ability to see her situation not as a misfortune, but as an opportunity. And during that time, she wrote this down. So just picture. She said, I am thy message, Lord. Throw me like a blazing torch into the night so that all may see and understand what it means to be thy disciple. Wow. (laughs) Single-hearted devotion, God and God alone. Then you're going to receive the wisdom, the perspective, the thinking, the will of God. You're going to understand it. It's going to give you a healthy way to walk through your trial. I want you to take that little sheet again. I've got mine. Hopefully you have yours. If you don't, I know you've got those things in your head and your heart. And I'm going to ask you, just based on what we talked about today, if you can, with your heart in it, be able to just write over the top of those things. I wrote right over the top of mine already, just asking and believing. It's my statement to God. Lord, I'm asking for wisdom and I'm believing whatever you say. Asking and believing over the top of those. If you do that right now, and then I'd just like to close in prayer and ask the Lord to bless all of you. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for, thanks for this group of people. And they're no different than I am. They're facing stuff that they never dreamed they'd face. Where did this come from? Just like those things I wrote on my little list. And it's tough. And we're not going to diminish how painful it is. But I pray for these people. I pray for myself that, hey, through your Holy Spirit and the word that you wrote to us in James, maybe get a new perspective on what we're going through. Help us to realize that just because we're your children doesn't mean we're immune to tough times. That's a place to start and that, hey, these things are going to happen. But you've got a purpose in them. And Lord, I pray that we can see that. I pray that we will understand your goodness and you're not leaving us, you're not bailing out and we can go to you and walk with you through this and your wisdom is there for us and we can ask generous, or ask without any reservations you're going to give generously. I pray for them. I pray for the issues they're dealing with, Lord. Um, And I want to pray that they'd go away, but I'm not going to. I'm going to pray that they'd be able to walk through them hand in hand with you 
full awareness of who you are, full awareness of what's going on, and that they would see that you have a purpose behind all of that to grow them up and to make them mature, better fit to serve you and to serve others. We love you, Lord. Thanks for not bailing on us. Thanks for never leaving us or forsaking us. You are a great God. We love you, and we know you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.